Well, we're right in the middle of a series, by the way, on the Ten Commandments, and we're just calling it Ten. And we're loving it. We generally are loving it. And the reason I'm loving it is because there is so much engagement in the life of our community of faith that we have a whole culture now of people going, I'm loving understanding the why behind the what. Because when we look at the Ten Commandments, we can go through them going, yeah, I don't kill anyone and tick, done that, done that. But actually, we never stop to realize that actually there's a whole meaning behind it. Orthodoxy basically means right thinking. And if we think right when we read the Bible and we understand why God is saying what he's saying, we can understand that and it's easy to live for. And what I want you to understand two things when we look at the Bible. Number one, when we read, we need to get to the principle of what God is saying. And number two, we need to get to the application of how that impacts our life. Let me tell you, application always changes over context. But the principle always remains over every generation and does not change. And we are built on the foundation of the word of God. And we're growing. So God is number one, is our first value of what we're doing in relation to the first commandment and the second commandment. No idols. God is number one. Number three is we're actually, we're not going to take God's name in vain, which means we understand our words matter. And we're going to speak the life of God into this community, the character of God, the identity of God, the authority of God, and we're going to speak over that. When we say we're going to honor the Sabbath, we're going to understand that God has given us one day a week to rest well. And we're going to take God at his word, and it's one of the hardest commandments to do, that we as a community are going to rest in God, and we're growing in there. We're also not going to kill each other. That's a lovely message. Thank you, Keith. You know, the why behind the what actually was more about we're going to speak life into people. And rather than get frustrated or angry or bring death to things, we are a people who carry the life of God in here. And today I have got do not steal. I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert, okay? And if you wonder where we're going on there, there's no surprises here. The opposite of stealing is generosity. Okay, and we're going to understand what it is about stealing and how that impacts us. Zig Ziglar uh, was a well-known documented thief in the year 1887. He goes into the grocery store and he buys some groceries with a $20 note. It's the equivalent of a £50 note. Who's ever seen a £50 note? If you'd like to show me afterwards, because I've never seen one, things like that. Anyway, you know, you can't even cash them these days, because most shop people think they're not legal tender uh, anymore, isn't that? You know, anyway, he passes a $20 note, and he buys some turnips. And the lady in the shop, because she's got turnips and a little bit moist hands, she takes the $20 note, and suddenly she gets ink on her finger. She's known Zig for years. He's a faithful customer. She knows his character. She trusts him. So she takes it. He walks out the shop, and she's there going, this is a forgery. So she rings the police, and they get a warrant, and they go turn his hour, and they're in the loft of his house. They found this really extravagant counterfeit thing, and he's been painting um, notes to get passed off as real ones, and he's famous for it. And the police come and arrest him, but they also found in his loft some masterpieces because he's a painter. Did you know the masterpieces they sold in the ongoing court cases for 16000 in 1800s. You understand the value of that. And he was convicted as a thief. But you know the whole thing about him being found out was the only person, well not the only person he stole from, but the person he stole from the most was who? Himself. His ability to paint. He spent more time painting a $20 note and the value of this artistry. And he suddenly started to use his skills. So we're going to look at the concept 
of stealing. I was in town a few years ago uh, when I used to be employed by Her Majesty as a, a police constable. And uh, I was out on my day off shopping with Rachel. And then I bumped into this lovely guy. And we had this lovely chat uh, through that. And Rachel, we walked away. She goes, oh, he's a lovely guy. How do you know him? I said, he's the biggest thief in this area. She's like, oh, that's surprising. You know, he's quite intelligent, you know. I said, I've, I've arrested him more times than you can shake a stick at. I don't even know what that phrase means, but it's just always like things like that. She goes, really? He doesn't look the sort. I said, well, the sad truth is he's a heroin addict, you know. And although he's got incredible parents, he's got to live in a lovely house, he just can't afford, you know, and he has to go and steal to that. There's one case, I won't name him because obviously for legal reasons, um, but I remember finding him because I went and looked at the CTTV. And uh, this is funny, right? This Thieves aren't always the cleverest, just to let you know. So he, he walks by the camera like this. He looks up. He walks by like this. And then he thinks, oh, pants. I've been caught by the camera. So then he gets a pizza box. And he pushes it over the camera. And then he carries on. I'm like, we already just seen you. Isn't it? <laughs> anyway, so stealing's not good, if the, 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 the story behind this. But I want us to understand why stealing is not good. You know, there's something about stealing of that. And to get to that, we need to get into the understanding that actually there's a difference between stewardship and ownership of the earth. Stewardship is a theological belief that humans are responsible for the world, that we should take care of it and look after it. And believers in stewardship are people who believe in one God who created the universe and all that is within it, believing that they take care of creation and look after it. So let me give you some scriptures to help you understand this about the concept of ownership. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Okay, that's found in Revelation. The earth is the Lord, Psalm 24, and everything in it, the world and all who live it. Who owns the earth? The Lord, you know, the Lord owns the earth. To the Lord your God, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14, belong the heavens the highest heavens, the earth, the earth. I have a slight speech impediment if you don't know, by the way. I can't say earth, earth. It's, it's like I'll do a, I put a H on the front. I've always done it. And I get embarrassed and the kids laugh at me. And they will do that at lunchtime. Leviticus 25 verse 23. The land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you are strangers and my tenants. Interesting, this is what the Bible says. Who has a claim against me that I must pay? In Job 41 verse 11, everything under heaven belongs to me. So I just want you to understand a logical principle. God owns everything. God is the owner, right? Now, just kind of put your hand in your pocket and just fill your wallet, and you'll start to shake when I ask you to do this because I'm a pastor and things like that. But who owns your wallet? (laughs) Theologically, you started to shake because we're bored up in a different world, okay? So we have a capitalistic government that teaches that everything you earn is yours. Have you noticed? It's like the seagulls of that film, Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 isn't it, you know? It's my money. I've earned it. I'm going to spend it, you know? And, and we see problems in marriages. You know, if, the, if there's one earner and the other one is stay at home looking after the children, that even the one earner can just have the audacity to say, it's my money and I'm going to give you a little bit of housekeeping and we need to understand the concept of family and what we're doing and why both roles are key in a home. You know, and it's not based on gender, it's based on equality and fairness, investing into that. But actually what God is saying is, is I've given you the ability to earn. I've given you the ability to work. I've put you in this earth and everything that we have is God's. 
everything. And it's a really releasing factor when we understand God owns everything. Genesis 1 verse 26. And God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock of all the animals of the earth. And they will be small animals going around. So God has called us to reign on this earth. He owns it all. And then he wants some managers. You're the managers of his resources. He believes in you so much. He knows you have the ability to manage the resources of heaven. And he's given you the responsibility. So when we steal, I don't know if you know this, but we are assuming the divine right of ownership. We are usurping a natural order. We are looking at somebody else's hoodie and going, actually, I want that hoodie. I'm going to take that. And actually, here's God just sitting there going, but it's not yours. I gave that hoodie to Louis. That's Louis's hoodie. Louis can give his hoodie to you because he's a stewardship of it. He can pass that on. He's not wearing a hoodie, by the way, just in case if he hasn't got one, he realizes he's already given it away by the end of the service. But, you know, it's about stewardship on it, understanding who gives it, who's responsible. When we take without permission, when we borrow without the manager's knowledge, when we use without people uh, awareness who God has given ownership, we are assuming God's divine right. It's quite serious, isn't it? So we're called to reign over creation. We're called to flourish in creation. We're called to cultivate and grow creation. But who is the giver of life? God. Who gives us all of that? And our worship particularly on Harvest Festival Sunday, is where we acknowledge God is the giver of everything and then he invests in us to manage the resources of the world. So capitalism takes the resources of the world, owns them for himself, and then sells it to their neighbor. It's not healthy. The whole trade world is based on it, you know, and we'll get into some property rights in the Bible in, in a moment. Socialism says, well, okay, it's not one person. We own it, but we still yet to see an effective model when the we, because when it comes to money, people cannot get on. Have you noticed that? When you get a room, people, to manage a whole pot of money, all things are complicated, but God has a different way. We believe in a, the, a, a theocracy where God is the king of the kingdom. And it's God's thing. And God says, I'm going to invest in all of you. And I'm going to bless you in such a way, at such a level, that I want you to share what you have. I'm going to give you enough for yourself. And I'm going to give you enough for your neighbor too. And this is an incredible thing that actually we're giving off a surplus. And this is just a fraction. And this is just a principle of how this works. That God wants us to be a blesser of our community. And here's the reason why. Because that's what God did in the first place. God is generous. God is not stingy. God does not hold back from you his nature or his creativity or his blessing. He has given us everything to steward it well. And we need to understand that. It's not ours. It is God. And here's the key to favor in your life. If you think God is not favor in your life, I'm going to give you a key. Just write it down in your notes. Thankfulness. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Every day you've given me this day. You've given me the sunset. You've given me the fresh air. We can walk through the park. I can walk through any land on this earth. And I just sit there and go, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness is. But you, oh, well, you don't own this land, Aaron. You, know? you haven't got the land deeds and things like that. I said, but God does. That doesn't mean I go anywhere and get arrested all the time, things like that, for trespass reasons. But you understand, that's how I feel about the planet. Because it's God's. 
and I'm here to steward the little pit that God has given me. Wow. Now, if you're a geek, you're going to love this small section. I want you to get to your Bibles, Exodus chapter 22. These are the property laws of Exodus, right? Don't let anybody tell you that the Old Testament is dull and boring, actually. That's just a way of going, I don't really understand it. When you get to understanding it, all sorts of cool things kind of pop out in there. And remember what I said earlier, principle, application. Exodus 22, verse 1. If someone steals an ox or a sheep, kills it or sells it, the thief must pay back five oxen or for each oxen stolen or four sheep. Okay, I'm not going to get into deep theological thing there, but whatever you steal, in the context of this new community, this identity of people is that you need to pay back what you take. Four or five times the equivalent of that. There is a principle in there that we need to understand the value of our neighbor. Because God understands how much he values you. You take something out of your neighbor's yard... You are dishonoring your neighbor. It's not just his possession. It's not just his property. It's who he or she is that you are taking the divine right for the land and you have no right. God hasn't given you any of that stuff because God's given you stuff, your stuff. And only it's a concept of community that if we all understand this wider, and actually if I take something that's not theirs, I am actually taking right off there. And God says, don't do it. And if you do it, you've got to pay it back. Verse 4, a thief who is caught must pay in full for everything he stole. If he cannot pay, then he must be sold as a slave to pay his debt. There's a lot of people who climb up onto slavery in the Bible going, oh, slavery is bad and things like that. People went to slavery because there's an offense that they caused first and foremost. And because they were held to their laws on there, God is setting them a system of value and honor. If an animal, verse 5, is grazing in the field or vineyard and the owner lets it stray into your neighbor's field to graze, then the animal's owner must pay compensation from the best of his own grain or grapes. Principle, okay? Restitution, compensation, should always ear on the side of quality and generosity. Have you noticed when you want to put it some right, you will do the bare minimum to put something right? In your flesh. Sorry. Right, if you've got children, you'll know how that is never good enough, is it? No. <laughs> this is my mum. I can hear my mum speaking to me now, by the way. Just to let you know, if mum, if you're watching, you'll know this. Say it like you mean it. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what's going on inside of me. I was like, Sorry. You understand here, sorry costs. You know, when we get to it, because the whole thing of what our parents are trying to teach us in this moment, they're, they're trying to teach us the damage of what it is when I took my, my little gun and clattered my sister on the back of the head, you know, because I, I pistol whipped her because I thought it was funny because I'd seen it on TV, and that's why you shouldn't watch TV. But, you know, things like that. <laughs> that, no, that there's just damage that we go on. And actually, we just saying sorry is not about putting it right. It's understanding the pain. It's understanding the loss. And if you understand, if you've stolen from something, sorry means not only will I get that back, but I'm going to pay far more, four times, five times to get it right. It means I take responsibility for the relationship. Like some of us have spoken words into our relationship and people in relationship with, and we've taken things from them. You know what? Words can take dignity. Did you know that? Words can take freedom. 
Words can take confidence. Words can do incredible damage into our relationship. And there's not one of us here who hasn't actually been the, the aggressor in that, in taking from somebody else. And we've watched the damage. There's probably no one here who's been on the opposite of that, where somebody else's words is taken from us. You know what the Bible says about the thief who's the devil? He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And it is God, the devil's plan to rob from us. And sometimes we stand there going, gee, I have been wrong. I went to a burglary once. This old lady had been the victim of a distraction burglary, which by somebody was being nice on the front door. And while she's talking to this lovely young man with an Irish accent on the front door, somebody's going in the back and rifling through her drawers. And when she found out that, do you know what happened to her? She said, I'm not worried about the money. She lost her confidence. The burglar didn't just take the money, and that wasn't what was valued to her. But I realized something in her happened, and she'd lost her ability to go out into the street because she suddenly said the world is no longer safe. When we steal things, we take something more than just a possession. We take an identity. And so I worked through the crime, and that kind of ended. And then I made a decision that I'm going to go back. Even though my job has stopped, I'm going to go back because what I can do, I can bring confidence back to that lady because I recognize there's something else. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Have you realized that? What the devil stole from us, Jesus gives back. Jesus is a great restorer. So if you've been there and somebody's just ripped stuff over your life, let me tell you the message is, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life. And not only do that, if you understand this principle, what God has done in this, not he only puts life in us, he gives us the ability as followers of Jesus to speak life into people, to give back and to affirm and to develop and to build and to bless and to kind of create this incredible culture because this is what property rights is really all about. It's understanding the value of each other, understanding what God has given. The most valuable items on this planet are you and me. And God has set laws to protect that because we are images of his glory. The opposite of stealing is generosity. And I talked about this moment when there was a transition in the Jewish people when every 50 years there was the year of jubilee. I like this. Because everyone who'd stolen over those 50 years and couldn't pay the debt and was now a slave was released back to being a free person again. Everybody who couldn't pay their land bills, you know, and lost their land, their land was restored back to their family. Because this was written, the Ten Commandments are written in the desert, and they're getting ready to go into the land when you're going to have your property. And for various happens that property creeps upon people and they lose it. God says, I'm going to reset that every 50 years. I love this about God. I'm not setting up a capitalistic government that's going to, once you've lost it, that is it. Every 50 years, your family gets to restart again. It's a message of the gospel of Jesus. It doesn't matter if you fluffed up, stuffed up, and, and messed up with God. Actually, God says, I'm going to reset you right now because this is what I've created you to be. And rather than being a life taker, you're now going to be a life giver. The year of Jubilee, every debt was released. They would party and they would celebrate as everything got put back onto equal footing. And what Jubilee was all about was giving back to God. 
There is a time on harvest festivals we need to give back to God to acknowledge that he is the owner of all things and we are the stewards of the things that he has given us and we're called to steward well but to worship the incredible God who owns it all. And every year, Harvest Festival, in the Jewish community, they would do that as a mini version of the 50th year. When they brought the harvest in, they would say, thank you to God. I am thanking you, God, for everything that you have done. Who remember Harvest Festivals way back when the local farmer used to make a big sheaf of bread? Do you know where that bread came from? They would leave the last kind of cutting on the fields and they would do all and they'd leave this last thing and it was really key because they would take this last sheaf and they would take that and then turn that into bread and that they would bring to church and they would put, I mean, in the church that I was when I was a child, they'd put that there and we'd have all of this food lined up, things like that. And it was then they would celebrate and they would say the harvest has been brought in thanks to God for this harvest. But you go, Aaron, I'm not a farmer. I'm an accountant. How do I bring the harvest in to God? Well, you tithe. You look at every month where God has blessed you. You look at the ability that you have to work. You, love the, look at the, you look in your cupboards. You look at everything you've got. And this is what you say as a follower of Christ, as a celebrator of the ownership of God, of everything he's going to go, I, I, I am so blessed that I'm going to give 10% as a foundational thing, as a way of saying thank you to God. And the Bible makes this distinction between tithes and offerings. Because, by the way, you can't draw a line around generosity. I don't think generosity is ever a restricted thing. Generosity, if I'm out with Levy and he goes, oh, I just haven't got any money to have lunch, you know. And I'm like, generosity says, well, whatever you want. It doesn't say, right, Levy, that, okay, I will give you £2.50 and we'll go to Greg's and you can get four sausage rolls on a meal deal. It doesn't do that, does it? It says that we are brothers and whatever is in my pocket is yours. This is the community we're part of. I, I, I kind of don't want to say, I don't want to add many other church, I was with a group of, let's just say, traditional Christian leaders and we were in a pub. Right, and it got to that moment when I was at the front of the queue at the pub, right? And I went, hey, everybody want a drink like this? And then they, they, they were like, ooh, yes, yes, I'll have a tea. Don't worry. I'll have a coffee. And then there's all these orders coming in, and sort of all like that. And then, and then I get my card out. And then I watched them, right, get purses out. And they were running in there, and they were trying to give me. T- I said, what are you doing? And we were paying for my drink. So I was, you know, if you're in the world, by the way, the concept of buying around is quite normal. Is that right? Just everybody shares. You know? And yet in church, for some reason, we say, I have to pay for what's mine. You know, just my little we lost this generosity thing to say, hey, this is how we work when we, we, we realize what God has given us. God, what they, by the way, my pocket is not empty as in goes forever. <laughs> There'll be a point when I'm with you and there is no more and then you're going to have to buy me a drink. Is that all right? That's how it works. This is how the value of God is. It's like we share this community and with the generosity that we're all part of is God is teaching us that we honor the people that we're with to the capacity that we've given we don't go into debt for that, but we give and we thank God. So I'm going to ask the band to jump up if that's okay. And then you can, this is like the longest offering talk I've ever done, I think, in life. So if you're cynical, you shouldn't be cynical. The Jewish harvest, God is the Lord of the harvest. 
When we thank God, we are thanking God for the harvest that he's given into us. Jeremiah 17, verse 26, from all around Jerusalem, from the towns of Judah and Benjamin, from the western foothills, the hill country of the Negev, the people will come with their offerings and sacrifices. They will bring their grain offerings, frankincense, and thanksgiving offerings to the Lord, to the Lord's temple. I love this because it's about the people of God who traveled on a yearly basis to say, we are going to travel to worship together as a community, and we're going to bring our offerings at the same time. Because we acknowledge God has blessed us this whole season. God has blessed us for this, and we want to take that blessing And we want to put it back into the hands of God. You don't say to me or the church leader, I'm going to give you on the condition I know where it's going. We have a responsibility as a leadership, as a board, to always account for every penny wherever it goes. Not just in before God, but before the eyes of the Lord. We have to do that, and we do that well. But actually what you do is you give to God. As an acknowledgement, this is a way. He says, bring your tithes into the storehouse. The house of God. If you're a guest here, by the way, this doesn't apply to you. If you go to another church, by the way, you get a free pass here. Because actually the requirement is where you worship, where your spiritual home is, that's where you invest, that's where you give. But it also says bring your offerings too. And this is the ability to be generous. I had someone sit in my office and Aaron, I, I don't um, like to give according to Old Testament principles, the law. I don't agree with that. I said, okay. They said, I like to give to grace. And I was like, I am so excited. And they looked at me because that was the wrong response. Because I think they were looking, they were telling me how little they wanted to give to God in that conversation. But the response was right. You know what? Because we're sin about, grace abounds even more. Grace has no limits. I said, brother, I want to thank you for your gracious generosity. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I was just joking. I was having just a bit of things like that. But realize, when you understand grace... And you give according to grace and generosity. Let me tell you, I've never seen a dull person who is generous. They've got so many friends. They've got the biggest smile in the world. And somehow God blesses them exponentially because it's a way to live. I am not telling you this because we're short money as a church. By the way. That's not the point. The point is we're generous as a community. And when we say do not steal, the opposite of stealing is generosity. Zacchaeus, as a thief, had an encounter with Jesus, and he changed from taking from others and taking from God to giving to others. And this is the thing. When God moves us, we stop doing bad stuff, and we start doing good stuff. There's a little bit here by which a lot of us, we see the bad stuff that we're doing and we stop doing. We never get to the good stuff. Because there's a vacuum here in the middle that if you never fill the vacuum of stop doing, you'll go backwards. Because if you fill the vacuum of start doing and start living, well, there's the transformation. There's no transformation on stuff on Zacchaeus if he doesn't give back. So what do I want us to do? Let's stand. We're going to sing a song. Is that right? A new one. A new one. one. This could go anyways, isn't it? Close your eyes before God, isn't it? And just just start to say thank you to God. That's just in your own prayers. God, I want to thank you for blessing me. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my friends. 
Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Thank you for the bike I got here. Thank you for my car. Thank you that I've got a holiday booked here this year. Thank you for my mobile phone contract. Thank you that I've got food in my cupboards. Keep going. Keep going with God because you realize God has blessed you right now. Help me to be generous right now. Help me to bless. Okay? And just to give you some natural safeguards for giving, you never give to pressure. You give because you want to and you choose to.